Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here today by Blake Alderman. Blake, heading into week two, I, you know, I think uh, Dan Mullen said it this weekend that they finally got a game under their belts. And so now you kind of know what you're working with. You, you know what to expect a little bit more. And I think, you know, Florida will face a very different opponent in week two. But the, the kind of theme around Florida football this week is let's focus on us. You know, let's make those corrections from week one. So I wanted to start off by asking you, what are some areas that you think Florida really needs to focus on in terms of shoring up from what we saw in the season opener against Ole Miss? You know, I think I I can agree with that because now Mullen at this point, you know, he's been really heavy on, you know, this is heading into the, obviously to the Ole Miss game where it's, you know, we don't know how things are going to go. We don't have a game. So I think now he, I think he's kind of hit things on the head there because now Florida knows what to work on. Um, and I think from that Ole Miss game, you can really see. And I, I think for me, the biggest thing, obviously is, you know, kind of cleaning up the secondary. Uh, Ole Miss really did pick Florida apart there. Um, and that's to give credit to guys like Elijah Moore, Matt Corral. I mean, those are big time players. I think Ole Miss in general has a good offense. Maybe not that elite offense that they're going to come in and they're going to, you know, make a big splash in the SEC West. Um, could in the future, but I think overall Ole Miss did have a, a pretty, you know, pretty good offense. You know, they had some playmakers, they had some, some pieces there. Um, but I think the secondary is one to really clean up. There were just so many times where you see guys, you know, especially at the safety position that just seemed out of place. Um, they seemed to like let things get past them behind them. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. Overall, I think in general, whenever you give up over 600 yards on defense, I think, uh, you know, outside of uh, Ventrell Miller, I think the linebackers could do some cleaning up too. It's hard for me to sit there and really pick on Florida's defensive line just because of how thin they were, um, you know, with, you know, Kyrie Campbell not there uh, and really not having a lot of depth, um, you know, minus a couple true freshmen that did make some splash in there, you know, a guy like Javon Dexter. So I, I think it's easier for me to look at the linebackers and see a guy like Amari Bernie. Um, you know, even if they wanted to throw in a guy like James Houston, Derek Wingo, I know wasn't available for that last game. So maybe just trying some things out. I think that Amari Bernie uh, had a little bit of a disappointing first outing out there. Um, you know, that's not to say that, you know, it's just one game. So it's really not a lot to go off of. So that doesn't mean that he couldn't come out and turn things around. 
Um, but I think in general, the linebackers are ones that I, I think could clean it up in the, and the guys back there at the safety position on the offensive side, you know, it's hard to sit there and really nitpick whenever they had such a successful day, putting up 51 points, um, really the passing game. And I thought the running game was pretty good as well. I think there were some technical things on the offensive line, you know, kind of getting around in those poles, um, some of those interior guys getting around there and kind of clearing out more lanes for the running for the, you know, for the running backs there. So I, I don't know, it might be a little bit more nitpicky there, you know, because I think when you look from last year, this year I, I thought the offensive line looked a lot better but I think that you know a guy like Stuart Reese who's coming in there it had a lot of I guess hype so to say you know coming in and having that you know uh, all those years that he had starting so I, I mean I think the defense is really more of the things that they really need to come out and clean up but I think if I had to pick something offensive side I mean it's hard just because of how well they did but I think cleaning up those you know those lanes passing pass blocking I thought was really good for Florida but I think kind of clearing up those lanes helping them get some more of those you know running backs, giving them a little bit more room to wiggle. You know, Malik Davis did break a couple of those runs, but, you know, I think if there were some bigger lanes and they got a little bit more push, I think that, you know, who knows what he could have done. Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow throughout this year, you know, that Florida offensive line and, you know, how much they can kind of step forward and, and really whether or not they can be a strength for Florida. I do think this will be a very different game, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about South Carolina in the second half of the show in terms of what they bring to the table defensively and, and some of the matchup issues they can create. But – um, this will be a little bit of a different game. I think, you know, Florida's going to have to, I think, be able to establish the run because, you know, we know Will Muschamp and, and how he likes to make the game. He's going to try to take the possessions out of it. And so um, you don't want to have a lot of three and outs. So, so if you can establish that ground game and kind of give yourself a chance to not be quite as one-dimensional. And I say one-dimensional. I mean, Florida put up 200 yards rushing last week. But uh, for all intents and purposes, you want you want this offense to eventually get to the point where you don't need to ever be one-dimensional, you know, where you can lean on the run game as well if you need to. Um, obviously, Kyle Trask is a, is a hell of a weapon, and uh, Kyle Pitts as well, and, and you're going to ride those guys. So, you know, Florida may end up a little more on the pass-heavy side, but you want that offensive line to really start kind of asserting its will on the defensive line. And I think South Carolina more so than probably Ole Miss will give you a little bit better of an opportunity to test that front. You know, some of what you said on defense, I think for me, you know, I, I came away – not necessarily disappointed with the defensive line, but feeling like, like you said, they're they shy on depth. Uh, you look particularly into the fourth quarter where we didn't see, you know, Javon Dexter quite as much. It was basically just a three-man rotation at tackle. For most of the second half, you know, between Zach Carter, Marlon Dunlap, and Tadarrell Slayton, uh, I thought Slayton was really good, and we, we talked about that on the last episode of the podcast. You know, Carter can be very disruptive. But I think the way South Carolina plays, um, I, I think you're going to need a little more size up front. You know, I think – uh, the Gamecocks love to create multiple edges in the run game, you know, trying to bring across H-backs. And uh, I was actually really, really impressed by Adam Prentice when I went back and, and watched South Carolina's game, you know, playing their fullback H-back role. I thought he did a really good job. And so, um, you know, Florida's defensive line, I thought, against Ole Miss kind of gave up some creases. You know, the ends got far up the field, and, and, you know, you saw a lot of times Matt Corral was able to slip out. Colin Hill's not going to be that athletic for South Carolina, but I think you just you want to see Florida's front play a little bit more sound, a little bit more disciplined in their rush lanes. You know, linebacker, I thought Ventrell Miller, you know, was obviously really good. But like you said, Florida's got to get more out of Amari Murray Bernie or they've got to get another option in there. For whatever reason, James Houston didn't play last week. He's a guy that obviously, you know, we thought going into the season could be somebody that you pair with. Miller, but we haven't we haven't seen him yet. So we need. It's interesting to... because he did travel to Oxford, correct? He did travel. He was on the roster. He was out there. Um, just just did not play. So you know that's one of those ones. I, I don't want to speculate on on whatever it is. Uh, 
and uh, Dan Mullen, <laughs> ironically, is is shutting down all talk of injuries. So so this week, Dan Mullen said that he's no longer going to discuss injuries because of the unique, unique circumstances surrounding COVID nineteen. And I, I guess Blake, the thinking there would be, you know, if you if you say this guy's hurt and this guy's hurt and this guy's hurt, and then you have a third or fourth guy that you didn't mention in the hurt list, I guess people assume that he's going to have COVID. I mean, is that does that make any sense? I guess so. Or I mean, I think it's just the unique circumstances of this year that. If you've got something you can make someone game plan around or you have something that you can, you know, create questions, I think that uh, this is the year to do it. Oh, and he's definitely going to do it. So, so we don't really know, like, when James Houston will be back, uh, you know, if he's even available or not. You know, obviously when they dress out, you assume they're available, but who knows? Um, I, I, we just got to see more out of that linebacker position. Florida can't get away with only having one linebacker it can rely on. And however they need to do that, they, they got to figure it out. I don't really know, like for me, the secondary going back and rewatching that Ole Miss game, I, it's hard to know where the breakdowns are. One, we're not looking at an all 22 camera angle. And then, and then two, you just, you don't know what the coverage call is. So there were even a couple plays that I thought was interesting talking to players this week. Um, we talked to Kyer Elam about his, the long touchdown that I think almost everybody would assume he was in man coverage on the one he kind of stumbled on. And then Donovan Steiner gets his eyes caught in the backfield. Elam really made it sound more like he was supposed to have a lot of help there and, and basically said, yeah, I stumbled. You know, I probably could have done better on that. But like, also it was like, he, he, he kind of stopped himself. He, I don't think he wanted to point fingers, but it sounded to me clear, like maybe that wasn't all the way on him. And then, you know, we talked to Ventrell Miller and it was the big catch over the middle in the, in the second half from a tight end. And, and it looks like he's, you know, just getting run by But Miller said that was a miscommunication where it sounded like he wasn't supposed to actually be on that guy. So there's there's a lot of those type of issues to clean up for Florida, and I think particularly um, with small crowds this year, I think those should get cleaned up quicker. You know, that's going to be one of the benefits. Uh, normally at home, you, you might have some defensive communication issues just because of the crowd being really, really loud. With only 17,000 people, you're not going to have those issues this weekend. So that's another reason I think the Florida defense really, really needs to show a lot of improvement from week one to week two. Um, and I think they can, you know, I, I mean, it's the SEC. It's one of those conferences where, you know, things happen. But I think overall, I just don't know that South Carolina has the firepower that Ole Miss had on offense. So I think this is a really good chance for Florida to, you know, not only be at home. And I know it's not going to be 90,000 fans in there and the place isn't going to be rocking. But I mean, I think there's some kind of, I guess, confidence that you get either way playing at home in front of your home crowd and kind of you know protecting the swamp and all these things that I'm sure you know Mullen and the other coaches are instilling in these guys throughout the week so I think there's a chance to see those guys you know just from being at home kind of having a little bit more swagger to them um and also I I mean I just South Carolina just doesn't have the horses that I think that Ole Miss was going to have I mean we'll see um but from what I saw from them I, I Ole Miss was just very explosive you know and I think that that was something that they really bring to the table sure there are things that Florida needs to work on and there's some deficiencies on their defense but I think that this game is a little bit more of a I guess a uh, favorable chance for Florida to not have to deal with so many playmakers you know a guy like Jerry Ely Matt Corral uh, Elijah Moore I mean there were a lot of guys that, that Ole Miss really trotted out there that you know could easily you know stretch the field and go the distance and I just don't know that South Carolina has those guys yeah there's no doubt I mean I, I see some guys that I like on South Carolina's roster sure. we'll talk about that in a little bit but um, I, I think the, the thing that sticks out to me week one to week two is is obviously Lane Kiffin is fine getting in a track meet. You know, his whole history of his career is track meets. And so, you know, Florida was in that kind of mode, and I think Ole Miss was okay with that. Will Muschamp's not going to be okay with that. Will Muschamp is not going to want to track meet. He's going to do whatever he can 
to kind of grind down the number of possessions in this game so that, you know, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts don't have the ball in their hands quite as much. And he's going to try to turn it into a, you know, a game that's one score in the fourth quarter. Now being in that it's Will Muschamp and you saw South Carolina in the fourth quarter last week, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win. Uh, but you know, we've seen Florida, South Carolina the last two years, man, they've, they've, they've been some pretty close tight affairs. So um, let's go ahead and take a quick, break Blake and then when we come back on the other side we'll start to talk a little bit more about South Carolina and some of the matchups in this one this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, let's get into, into talking about the matchups a little bit. Um, I know that both of us have had a chance to kind of see a, at least a little bit of South Carolina, even if you know we haven't fully dove into them. Um, What's your what's your number one expectation from this game, given the fact that Will Muschamp's going to be on the other sideline? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think it's just going to be – you always expect Will Muschamp to trot out a defense. Um, I, that's kind of what he's always been known for, I mean, throughout his career, just, you know, being that defensive coach. So I think you're going to see them play sound defense. Question with those guys, you know, with him just it seems to be, you know, is the offense going to show up and is it going to be sustainable? Because you see them, like you said before, you know, the fourth quarter – Things just kind of seem to – They go wrong. They, they go they – go, it's, it's like watching a really slow car crash. Like Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. It just slows down so bad to the end, and at the end, that's where they hit. So, I, it's just it's, – it, it seems like that things just really kind of slow down. I don't know if it's just that he takes his foot off the gas or, or whatever that is, but that just, just always seemed to be kind of just the, the tail of the tape. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, obviously, South Carolina – um, interesting decisions in the fourth quarter last week against Tennessee, kicking a field goal down seven with only a couple minutes left. And then obviously, you know, they actually, the defense did its job, which a lot of times you can count on, you know, Will Muschamp, that's kind of the way they play it is get you into the fourth quarter and then hope your defense can come up with a key stop when you need it. And uh, more often than not, it seems like that that happens. And then it's the other areas that they, they struggle, you know, they run into a punt on special teams and all of a sudden they don't get the ball back. So it'll be interesting. I, I think, Watching Mike Bobo, and obviously most most listeners have probably you know had some familiarity with him over the years. Uh, he ran the Colorado State offense that came into Gainesville two years ago, so even Dan Mullen has seen it pretty recently. 
Um, spent a lot of time at Georgia. So, uh, you know, anybody that's followed the Gators for any number of years is, is familiar with that kind of uh, run game that they run and, and, and trying to use H-backs and tight ends to kind of unbalance the line in certain areas and run. I was fairly impressed with running back Kevin Harris last week. I mean, he's not, he's not necessarily a burner, but he was a guy that I thought did everything kind of pretty well, um, can definitely get to the outside on you if, if, if he's given the lane. Uh, so I think, you know, again, I go back to Florida's defensive front. They're going to need to be better at defensive end. You know, I, I don't know that this is a game where you're going to be able to get away with playing um, kind of that two down look that they did against Ole Miss, where you have Chris Bogle kind of uh, almost being a linebacker, so to speak, along with uh, Mahmoud Diabate. I think you're going to need more bulk. And so, I, you know, I was impressed with Andrew Chatfield. I expect we would see him a little bit more this week. But I think you're going to need, you know, maybe maybe we see a princely Manny Aylin this week, a true freshman that, that they really like, who's in the, you know, 250, 260 range. Um, I think that's going to be important because, you know, I, the other thing I think, Blake, is South Carolina was getting the ball out quick, which is something you don't always see with a Will Muschamp offense. Uh, Colin Hill is obviously a veteran quarterback, transferred from Colorado State into South Carolina, along with Mike Bobo. And so he knows how to run their system. This is not... This is not necessarily the case where, you know, you have a new offensive coordinator and because of the coronavirus pandemic, you have guys struggling to get used to the system. I think we had that concern about, you know, would Ole Miss suffer from that in, in week one? And having seen how little they were impacted by it, you know, when they had a good quarterback, I, I think the expectation is the same against South Carolina. They may, may not get off to a slow start this season offensively, as you expect. And I, I think for Florida, I think they're going to have to be a little bit more aggressive in how they play coverage. You know, I, I don't think you're going to be able to sit back kind of like you did against Ole Miss. I think Florida's really got to get it in the face, jam receivers at the line, you know, try to jam Shy Smith so that he's playing at the outside rather than able to work over the middle. Because, Blake, I watched Shy Smith, and that guy can play. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they're going to have some players there. But I think one of the most interesting numbers just kind of scanning South Carolina was just the, uh, the, the amount of pass yards they allowed, uh, 261 so far. I mean, obviously, that's against the Tennessee team that heading into the season, you know, I mean, there were questions. There were questions about Tennessee quarterback-wise. Um, you know, I really didn't get a chance to watch a lot of that game against Tennessee and South Carolina. But I think it's interesting to see that, you know, a team like Tennessee that, you know, seemingly was going to be, you know, they were going to have to find some identity in the passing game. You know, it was going to have to be I guess some growing pains and something to watch And Florida obviously is really strong. You know, they really showcased a really strong passing game. I just think a guy like Kyle Pitts is going to be really tough for them. So I think if I had to look at one number just from diving in through South Carolina, it's that passing yards allowed um, just because that's kind of uncommon for a Will Muschamp defense. You know, they're usually showing a really strong secondary. Um, I believe one of their best players, I, I don't yeah. think uh, Israel. Yeah. He got dinged up last yeah. week. So, and I, I think he's one to watch, you know, he's kind of a key guy in there for South Carolina. I know he had that really strong game against Georgia last year where South Carolina came out there and won, but I just thought that was interesting to see, you know, that they did seem to struggle in the passing game on defense, which is kind of uncare uncharacteristic for a Will Muschamp defense. So I think that that's a key thing that Florida will need to attack. Yeah. And I, I agree with you there. I think when you watched them against Tennessee, I think, it's very clear that they're going to play that same aggressive style. You know, they're really going to, they're going to, they're going to take their chances in man to man. And so Florida, it'll really be on the receivers. I think probably, probably even more so than Kyle Pitts to step up in this game because, you know, South Carolina did a good job on Pitts last year. You know, he only had 29 yards in that game. Now obviously was able to get into the end zone once, but um, South Carolina limited him quite a bit last year. You know, Florida only had 354 yards in that game and, now, I know going back to that game, it was kind of a noon, noon game, kind of a sleepy game, and it was rainy, so the conditions weren't great. Um, but, you know, Will Muschamp's pretty good at drawing up a plan, and my, my guess would be that they would try to take away Kyle Pitts 
And, and that's going to mean a lot of man-to-man coverage, I think, for the other guys outside for Florida. So this is a game to look for, you know, a guy like Trayvon Grimes, Jacob Copeland. You know, if Kadarius Tony can continue to do what he did last week, kind of being that more all-around complete receiver, I think this is a game where you maybe see it. Um, but, you know, I, I go back to, um, I guess, the overall style that I expect to see in this game of just kind of Will Muschamp wanting to make it into that, you know, grinded-out affair. I think I think scoring early is going to be really important in this one. And then looking at that secondary, yes, they gave up 260-something yards last week, but they've got some players. I mean, sure. Warren is a guy. You know, we, we don't know if Mukuamu is going to play or not. If he plays, obviously he's the kind of guy that can change a game. I mean, you saw what he did. You mentioned it against Georgia last year. Three interceptions, and I, I think turnovers are going to be big in this one. Um, if you are Florida and you play safe with the football in this game, you have the change. Like, you're, you're just flat out better than them. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a stretch to say you're better than South Carolina as long as you don't give them additional possessions, uh, additional time to work with the offense, and, and limit your amount of touches on offense. I think you're going to be good. So, forcing turnovers, same thing on the other side of the ball. You'd like to see Florida be able to capitalize a little bit better than it did against Ole Miss. Yeah, and I agree. I think Florida coming out and starting off fast, I think that that's a big thing for them. At home, they obviously have the offense, too. You know, getting to, uh, Florida A has an offense that if they're going to get into a shootout, I don't expect this game to be a shootout, but I think they have the offense that they can do that. I do think that there are a lot of comparisons that do match up to that LSU offense last year to where they could get in the shootout. You know, you saw Florida and LSU last year that they had that offense that could do that. They really didn't have this strong defense, not to say their defense wasn't good, but I think there are a lot of similarities to this Florida and this LSU team from last year. You know, I'm not saying that Florida is going to go out and win this national championship and dominate teams like the LSU did at times, but I do think there are some comparable things there. So I think that Florida in this game and where you have a Will Muschamp team that is going to want to play things slow down, they're going to want to grind things out. I think being at home and getting up early, and I think they have that offense to where they can do that. So if Florida comes out and, you know, really jumps out and gets aggressive, I think this could be one that could be over very early. Yeah, no, and Florida's going to try to end it that way. I mean, there's there's no doubt sure. about that's it. The, that's easily the way to do it. Because if you're South Carolina, the last thing you want to do is get in a shootout. I mean, we know that Will Muschamp teams typically are not equipped to handle that. And so, you know, if you're Dan Mullen, why would you not come out firing on all cylinders, you know, ride the guys that got you here, you know, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask. I'd expect Florida to be very, very, very aggressive early on. And like you said, if they can build an early lead, this game gets put away pretty quick. Um, like just, I am interested to see the rushing game, though. I am interested to see. Yeah. Well, game. and I think when you when you watch, you know, South Carolina, Tennessee from last week, it's clearly it's going to be different than than the Ole Miss game. I mean, South Carolina has big physical guys, and they'll put a lot of guys in the box. So uh, I, I want to see, you know, less so than maybe even the the holes being opened up in the run game. I want to see that offensive line start to command the line of scrimmage where even if they don't necessarily open up a bunch of holes, they're pushing three to four yards forward each play. We saw it a couple times against Ole Miss, but it wasn't consistent. Once Florida can start doing that and they're comfortable enough, the, the, the offensive linemen, the players that are up front feel comfortable enough actually moving the line of scrimmage, that's when Florida's going to turn from a really, really good, dangerous offensive team to an unstoppable kind of offensive team. Because that LSU team that you're talking about, they could run the ball. I mean, sure. Edwards Lair was a huge part of that, but that offensive line could also get movement when they needed to. And so um, I think that should, I think you're absolutely right. That's got to be a big focus for Florida this, this week. And talking about that, there were a couple guys in the South Carolina front seven that I was pretty impressed with. Uh, Kingsley Enigbare plays that kind of buck role for them. He's a guy that Florida might have to help with off the edge. I, I, I shudder at the idea of Jean Delance trying to, you know, single-handedly take him. So, again, this is, this is where something that we talked about last week really comes into play. 
Florida's backs were excellent in pass protection. And that's going to be a luxury for Florida because you saw it a couple times against Tennessee uh, where their back wasn't fully dialed in and guys like Enigbari got in there and made some plays. Um, I also like Ernest Jones at middle linebacker. He was, he's a guy that flew around and kind of caught my eye. So, you know, South Carolina has some players. I mean, this is, this is not a team devoid of talent. It's just going to be a matter of making sure that you're on your matchups. You know, obviously we both have a lot of confidence in Dan Mullen to draw up a game plan when it comes to the offense. He, he's going to have these guys circled. They'll know what to do. It's just going to come down to execution. And then, you know, that offensive line, you know, just kind of keep doing what they're doing. It doesn't have to improve all at once. But if you just keep pushing forward a little bit each week, I think by midseason, by the end of the season, uh, you're going to see a really, really good Florida offense. Thomas, is there a matchup in this game overall, just kind of looking at things on paper so far that you're really the most interested to see? Um, I think if I had to circle one, it would probably be what we're, we're talking about, you know, Florida being able to run the ball against South Carolina. But, you know, now that we've talked it through a little bit, I, I also think that Florida's not going to necessarily try to do that early as much. You know, I think that they are going to try to use the passing game and see what they can get to put some points on the board early. But but from from a bigger season outlook, I want to see how the run game does in this, this sure. game because South Carolina is going to put some guys up front. And then defensively, I think the same thing is true. I mean, South Carolina is going to run with seven guys in the box. You know, they're going to run with a tight end. They're going to unbalance things to the left or the right. They're going to use an H-back to create some pre-snap motion that will throw you off. This is a really a, a chance for a younger Florida front seven. And, and when I say younger, I'm talking about the Chris Bogles, uh, the Diabates, you know, whoever's that second linebacker along with Ventrell Miller. This is their chance to prove that they can be a stout defense because we didn't see it at all last week. And granted, Ole Miss – had it schemed up very nicely. Like you said, they had a lot of different individual playmakers. South Carolina doesn't necessarily have the weapons that stand out. And, and Will Muschamp even said it this week. He said they got to get more out of their receivers, not named Shy Smith. But what they do have is that they're going to they're gonna basically turn this into a physical contest up front. You know, that's what Will Muschamp loves to do. So I want to see how this front seven does now that they've had a week to watch the tape, a week to figure out the communications, how they fit things, how they leverage things. And I want to see how they do, particularly against the run in the front seven this week. Yeah, I think the run game is something interesting that I want to see from Florida side on the offensive side. Um, but I think that if you want to do that, you know, jumping out early, you've got Kyle Trask. You've got a lot of playmakers at that wide receiver position. I think that's how you do it. But I also think Mullen is one of those guys that, you know, as he kind of goes through games and he's kind of going on the fly. And I noticed he did it a lot last year. And you can't compare year to year. But Florida was trying to, you know, so to say, experiment with their running game in game situations. So I think that it's something to where you're a little bit more comfortable doing that. Not to say that they, I thought I was impressed with Florida's running game compared from last year to this year in that first game against Ole Miss. But I think that it, you know, this is a matchup to easily jump out on top, use your passing game, let Kyle Trask do his thing and then kind of see what you can get from the running game there. I think that's something that they're going to want to test and see from a big picture perspective, like you said. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's a good point, especially 2018. We really saw it, you know, they, they really, you know, they worked on the run for the first half. Right. And it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good, but they saw enough signs that they felt like, okay, this can be a strength down the road. Um, I think we're still at the point where we don't know if it's going to be a strength for Florida. You sure, know, yeah, we definitely don't know. Miss, but that's game one. You don't know if that Ole Miss defense is any good yet. I think you're right. I think, you know, I, I could see this being a game where Florida gets up by 14 and then starts to try to pound the run and, and get those guys some confidence. Because, Honestly, the only way the O-line really gets better and starts to gel is like you saw in 2018, where you just do it a lot. You rep it a lot, and then you, you start to know how things fit a little bit better. You get used to the, you know, the new guy that's next to you, whether it's Stuart Reese or Richard Guraj, how they pull, where they're going to step, how they get down the line. Um, I think that's a good point. Um, I, I, 
I don't see any way that Florida loses this game, Blake, and, and I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it. But I don't necessarily know if I see this being a blowout either. I, I just think we've seen some, some tight Florida-South Carolina games for a reason. I think that they will have a good game plan on Kyle Pitts. I don't think it'll ever, you know, feel like an uncomfortable win for Florida. Uh, but I do think it's going to be, you know, maybe not quite a shootout as we saw last week. The line right or the spread right now for that game is 17 and a half favoring Florida. Do you think that's that that's something? Seems a little high to me, man. Just, I don't know. I saw, I, I, I won't say I was impressed by South Carolina watching against Tennessee, but it's just going to, it's going to be such a different game for Florida than, than, than week one in terms of how to front. I, I just think the front seven, the, the, the focus in this game is going to be very different on both sides. And I just, it seems a little high to me. I, I'm thinking more like along the lines of a 14 point win, something like that. Um, I actually went through and looked at all of Will Muschamp versus Dan Mullins previous matchups, whether either one was a coordinator or a head coach. And they've met six times. The largest margin of victory is 13. Uh, and the average is somewhere like eight points. So they tend to be pretty close when they meet up. I don't know that either one really has a, a big statistical edge over the other. Um, you know, and obviously Florida clearly has the talent edge in this one, which is something to consider. But for me, I think somewhere right in the, right in the range of a 14-point Florida win. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair, too. I mean, I could see 17 just because, I mean, that's just a field goal. And, you know, it's, it's not impossible. Um, but I, I, think, I think 17 is, is – it's – I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of that spread myself. My, my thing is 17, you're, you're counting on the defense being significantly better than it was a week ago. And I, and I think it'll be better. I just don't know how much better. Um, and, and Florida could easily win by more than 17. I'm not saying that they – Easily. But I think for them to do that, it's going to be up to – like that defense is going to have to take a very, very big turnaround and really be kind of the the unit we were expecting, you know, a little bit more dominant. You know, and if they can do that, Florida can definitely win by bigger in this one. Yeah, no doubt. I I agree with that too. And I I don't know if it's being at home. I think I'm also interested to see if, you know, just with the the restrictions to the crowd, I'm interested to actually see a Florida game at home and see what kind of – I guess, dynamic that brings to it. Just because normally the Swamp is loud, man. The Swamp is usually like, I mean, you, you look back at the Auburn game last year for Florida, that was easily like, a, you know, something they could keep in their back pocket with how loud the crowd was. Not to say this isn't the same matchup and, you know, that, that South Carolina had the same pieces that they did last year for the Auburn side. But I'm interested to finally get a chance to see a home game at Florida with a smaller crowd. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be fun. Uh, I know we've all been waiting to get back out there in the Swamp. So, um, guys, that'll do it for, for today's show. We'll be back again either Sunday afternoon or Monday morning. Uh, we're not firmly committing to a time on that, but that's basically – it'll be before uh, Dan Mullen's weekly press conference on Monday at noon. So we'll drop a podcast then, and uh, we'll break down how Florida-South Carolina went. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 